tax tax, which is always exciting. GST. That's a great idea. More efficient tax. Due diligence now. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Tax Wrap, episode 10. We're in the double digits, guys. Fantastic. Pretty cool. In a 2015, episode 10. Now, today we're going to take a step back, do a slightly shorter podcast, and we're going to focus on uh, educational stuff, tax and super, taking it back to basics, brass tax, if you will. Um, And we're just going to learn a little bit more and hopefully educate ourselves a little bit as well. The first thing we're going to talk about is personal services income, PSI. Mm -hmm. So, Ange and Bill, what is it? Ange, do you want me to kick off? I think you should. Okay. <laughs> um, personal services income is basically a regime, an anti-avoidance, specific anti-avoidance regime that was brought in um, to make sure that uh, employees and, uh, and people earning income that is sort of like employment income can't uh, alienate it or, or I guess put it into a company or a trust and receive favourable tax treatment. Mm. I think a lot of people sort of get confused between this regime yep. And and um, other regimes that might apply in this in, in this area, such as um, yep. the the difference between employee contractor um, and, and some 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 of the payroll and and yeah, and that's other right. Issues. There's a number of tests that determine the difference between a employee and a contractor for and they and they're different for SG purposes, for payroll tax, for FBT. Like that that that's a decision that has to be made all the time, and mm-hmm. I think it's at the forefront of a lot of people's mind, and then, and that's why a lot of the time they think it's the same thing as the PSI rules. Yeah, which is an income tax measure. Correct. And I think that's the, that's the thing um, when advising clients. This is this comes up all the time. Yeah. People are always confused about what they need to do in this in this space. Um, as opposed to looking at those other issues that, that yeah, Ange touched yeah. on. So we're talking about personal exertion income, mm. but as opposed to earning it as an employee, you're earning it as a as a personal business or as a personal as a sole trader, an mm. individual. Um, so it's a diff- There is a difference between what we're what PSI tackles and what um, those other employee versus contractor rules tackle. And I guess you know what the thing is, Ange. What I found is that. Um, professionals such as IT consultants, accountants, lawyers—they're the ones who really struggle um, in this yeah, area. Yep. That, that's what I found, I, and I find that that's because these rules were actually instituted quite a long time ago, yes. uh, and they were sort of touted to, uh, I guess, impact uh, people in trades, mm. people who created physical goods yes, as, as, as part of their services. Whereas, I guess, accountants, um, lawyers, IT consultants, um, people of that ilk will generally um, produce an intangible. Yep. So I, I guess And they're captured even though, as you said, it was probably intended more for tradespeople mm. and, and those types of uh, services, businesses instead, mm. as opposed to maybe more the professional services. Well, I'm curious, Ange, do you reckon that um, in terms of updating uh, these rules, do you reckon that would, would form a focus in terms of that, that tax white paper that's coming through? It probably should. Whether it is or not, I'm... I'm uncertain. I mean, what we've seen so far in some of the issue papers that have been issued, I don't, it doesn't seem to have fallen into any one of those categories, but no. it probably should. Um, I, yeah, it probably I'm, needs to be revisited. Well, I guess the the feel in the industry and what's been said by um, members of the legal profession is that this is one of the most hotly debated or, I guess, um, disputed areas. Yeah. Um, they're always in court in relation to this. Absolutely. And I guess businesses are trying to sort of, um, trying to comply in this area, but it, it is increasingly complex. Uh, yeah. In terms of uh, the Board of Tax has actually released a paper that 
which which we were both avidly reading, yeah. uh, where they they talked about the PSI um, uh, online calculator that, that right. helps people sort of work through this issue. Yeah. So people might want to check that out as well if Absolutely. they want clarification. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I, is it an issue of in, interpreting the legislation? Is that look? It, it's it's more how a person's situation fits into okay. um, what's anticipated by that yeah. by that legislation. And I think, as Bill said, it's because when it was written, it sort of was intended for a particular group or class of people. Mm-hmm. But it, it's because captured. of its scope and it's so broad, it has captured actually quite a few yeah. more fish in the net than it probably intended to. Which mm. is risky for an anti-avoidance perspective because <laughs> yeah. it's the broader you make it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. So, um, so I, look, I, I, I think um, it's a it's it's a topic to watch. Yeah. Um, and I guess if people have more questions on it, they can always always contact us through our helpline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, through Twitter, Facebook. Yep. LinkedIn, and I and means. I believe in the coming taxpayer, we'll probably have a bit of discussion about employee versus contractor as well. Mm. If people are more interested in that side of things, um, so moving on to small business CGT, and I guess breaking it down again, what do we want to talk about small business CGT, guys? Okay, um, I, I guess the thing in in this area, yep. um, in terms of small business CGT, I guess why we want to talk about this is this was looked at by the board of taxation in their um, paper to government. One of the key recommendations that came out of that paper uh, was increasing uh, the threshold, the turnover threshold, yeah. to get access to these concessions yeah. from $2 million in aggregate turnover to $3 million in aggregate turnover. Well, okay. I think it was at least $3 million, at least. with the potential of being $5 million or thereabouts. <sighs> well, well, the actual <laughs> the, the recommendation, they, they were sort of being very, very conservative with the recommendation yeah. to say, okay, $3 million. Yeah. But there was talk of up to $10 million, Ange. Wow, okay. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think their view of what a small business is is different to mine, <laughs> definitely. But um, whether or not um, that would positively... Um, impact the taxpaying population. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that that that's sort of what what was mooted. I think. Um, I think the, the the sort of logic behind it though was that that threshold hasn't been moved since about 2007 or thereabouts. No, that that's right. So that was their logic for it, and presumably they've taken some kind of business data into consideration to sort of look at what the average Australian business sort of earns in turnover. That's right. So we do. We're not saying that it's been completely. Um, nonsensical it, type yeah. of decision. Oh, look, it's not in a vacuum. Yeah. Definitely not in a vacuum. But I guess the thing is, a lot of people don't actually know what these rules are. That's even. true, yep. So I thought we could... Um, shed some light yeah, on that. Yeah, shed definitely. some light on that. So, look, in terms of small business concessions, there's four main concessions. Yep. One is an active asset or 50% reduction on on um, the amount of a taxable gain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in addition to the general deduction that, um, sorry, the general concession in terms of 50% mm-hmm. that they get. Um, of course, companies don't get that general 50%, so that, that there's that, that concession. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's the retirement concession the small business rollover, yep. and also the 15-year um, concession as well. Yep. So all of those concessions, essentially what they do is uh, they disregard a capital gain yep. um, and I guess uh, the, the ultimate tax liability that will result from it. Okay. Um, that's why they're so lucrative and, and they're actually quite generous as well. Okay. So as much as possible, um, many businesses would like to fall within the small business, <laughs> you know, <laughs> frame or bracket yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the fact that they do have access to those concessions. So mm. if, if 
for example, they did take the extreme view and go to 10 million, yes. suddenly the uptake of those concessions will be phenomenal because yeah. you're going from 2 million to 10 million. Well, I guess the other interesting thing that the board said was that there are actually not that many businesses that uh, sit between uh, $2 million turnover to $5 million turnover. Right. But I don't necessarily think that um, that should be used as a justification because what they're really what they're really saying there is mm. bigger businesses should have an additional tax loophole in this area. Mm. I'm not sure whether or not that works. Okay. Um, but again, I'd have to see the data, have to look through it in a bit more detail before making a call there. Yeah. Um, I think people have to keep in mind that these concessions can effectively make the sale of assets worth tens of millions of dollars yep. essentially tax-free. Okay. So we've got to keep that in mind yeah. um, when, when, we're, when we're talking about who should have access. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and just being really, really careful with, when looking at the, um, the criterion for those concessions as well mm. um, and not just assuming if you do fit within that small business type um, category that you'll automatically get everything you know, yeah, handed to you, handed on, a silver, to you. Yeah, yeah. On, a, on a silver platter. I think that the thing that um, interests me is the board did talk about the complexity of those rules. Yeah. And, and I would agree, um, in terms of eligibility and determining eligibility, that's really, really hard it is. In, in, in this regime. So that's a common pitfall that you guys It is. It's very yeah. complex. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I guess the thing is, small businesses often don't have the resources mm. to adequately deal with that complexity. Well, that's what's at the crux of it, isn't it? That's... That's you know, exactly yeah. what they're saying. They would have to get an external tax agent yeah. or some sort of advice because it is actually it's so complicated and, and there's a lot of history that you need to take into account. Mm. And sometimes they might just not even have that mm. information available. Well, I guess the thing is the board's recommendation to, to raise um, the threshold from two to three million mm. was sort of um, touted as, as uh, reducing some of that complexity because they were saying, you know, people on the cusp of two million yeah. would no longer have to do so much work because they would be clearly in or clearly out of the regime. But clearly that's going to be an issue no matter what the threshold is. Uh, that's exactly right. So if, is, so if you're on the cusp of three, of three you're on the cusp 10, of five or cusp of ten million, right. it doesn't matter, you're going to have the same issue really. <laughs> and that, and that, that I guess was my criticism yeah, of that right. argument. But um, <laughs> again, look, it's an interesting area. I yeah. think um, I think we could probably um, touch base again with our loyal listeners about some of the other proposed changes. I mean, there's quite a few of them that are supposed to be within that realm of reducing the red tape, helping the taxpayer. Mm. So we could probably touch on a few of those again next session. Absolutely, part B. Yeah. Mm. But you know what, what else? I, I, I was scratching my head about this, whether or not changing that turnover tr- test from a turnover test to a profit test might be a better way to target what's yeah. going on. Look, that was just a thought bubble. Yeah. Uh, yep. Admittedly, I haven't sort of worked through in my mind how that would work. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, as I was saying about the other proposed changes, the, a lot of those are also talking about tying tests to profits and not to turnover. Yeah, so we okay. could probably touch on that again later. But in terms of targeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, this concludes our first uh, lightning round in our lightning round podcast series. Uh, you've been listening to Angela, Bill and Nate. Um, Tune in next week for part B. Thanks, everyone.